Welcome to God Knows Where. I'm Brett Harris. We're moving over to the Gospel of John today for a doozy of a couple of sentences that we overlook all the time. And then that, as a former pastor, frankly, they hit me square between the eyes. Let me know what you think after you listen. You can find the show on Instagram and Facebook. Leave me a question or a comment there. And also there you'll see a reel about something I learned just the other day, just yesterday, in fact, after I recorded last week's episode that was about our eyes and could have fit perfectly in last week's episode. It blew my mind. So I shared it over on Instagram. You can check it out there. You can check out other things from the show there and follow the show on social media if you haven't already. And somehow, in the midst of all the social media holidays, I missed that Saturday was International Podcast Day. The folks at Good Faith Media reminded me of that with their post about all the great podcasts that they've produced and the ones that they market, just like God knows where. I'm always grateful for their support and want you to be sure to check out all the other original and independent podcasts that they promote over at goodfaithmedia.org. Thanks for listening. I hope you have a great day wherever you are. Enjoy today's episode, Trust Issues. A reading from the Gospel of John. When Jesus was in Jerusalem during the Passover festival, many believed in his name because they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, would not entrust himself to them because he knew all people, and he needed no one to testify about anyone for he himself knew what was in everyone. What does it take to trust someone? If I asked you that, what would you say? Probably something like honesty, commitment, confidence, both in the person and knowing that if you told them something important, they could hold whatever you told them in confidence. Maybe also that they do what they say they're going to do, when they say they're going to do it, and how they say they're going to do it. What does it take for someone to break your trust? Maybe some of the opposites of what it takes to build it, right? Lying, disloyalty, doubt, disappointment. But what does it take to never take that first step to trust someone, to never let someone in, to keep others at arm's length? That's a bigger question. That's a deeper question. That's a question that goes well beyond building or breaking trust. That's about something more. And that's exactly what's on display here in John's Gospel. Here, towards the beginning of the way John tells the story of Jesus' life and ministry, we're told that many, many people came to believe in Jesus while he was in Jerusalem. They saw him perform signs and wonders all over the place. And they knew he was different. They knew he was special. They trusted him with their ailments and their needs, and he delivered for them. But he never entrusted himself to them. He never let them in. He kept them at a distance. All I can ask when I read this and I hear this from John's gospel is why? Why was he so reticent to let others into his life? It's easy to say that he was different that he wasn't like them, that he's not like us, and therefore they or we, none of us, would ever understand if he did let us in. It's also possible to say that he did it for their own good, for our own good. In the same way that God told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit 
of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What might getting to know Jesus that well do to them? What might it do to us? It's easy to say these things, but they all ignore that last line that we read. He didn't entrust himself. He didn't open himself up and invite them in because he knew what was in everyone. He had a reason not to trust them. He knew them, and he knew he couldn't trust them. That hurts to hear. It hurts to say it out loud. But I gotta say, I can't blame him. Now, I'll never claim to be Jesus. That is something I could never be. But I was a pastor. And for a lot of folks, pastors are supposed to be the closest we have to Jesus walking among us. People who lead upstanding lives, who lead us toward God, who do all the things in many of the ways or do their best to live lives in line with Jesus. Now, I fell far short of that bar in many ways, many times, every single day. And I always struggled with learning and knowing all kinds of things about people, their fears, their worries, their failures, and never being able to judge well enough when it was okay for me to say, me too. Vices, relationship problems, financial struggles, big, big questions about unknowable ideas. I've been there. I've been there. But I never knew if the person sitting across from me wanted me to admit it. There were times when I mustered the courage to say, me too, in response to someone bearing their soul in my office. And those were holy moments for me, and I think holy moments for them too. It may have even been the holiest time that I had being a pastor. It was when two of us could connect and realize the struggles that we're all going through and realize that God was there to help us all through even me, the pastor. But far too often were the occasions where instead of saying, yeah, me too, I said nothing, or I worked my way through an entire conversation pretending as if I wasn't a man or a husband or a son, a father, a friend, who had missed the mark more often than I'd like to admit. I did that. I made that choice because I felt, right or wrong, that People didn't come to their pastor to commiserate with me. They came for an answer. They came for some comfort, or some reassurance. And injecting my own doubts and discomforts and failings wouldn't have been helpful in that moment. I've got to believe that Jesus felt that times a billion. Because what we see in John here, what we've seen so far in John and all that leads up to what we read this morning, this is a very real human Jesus we're meeting in John. So far, he's called a few disciples. He's attended a wedding where his mother all but asked him to perform a miracle that he didn't want to perform and make some more wine to keep the celebration going. And then after that, he's found the temple has become a marketplace and he's driven folks out of it with a whip. At every step of the way so far in John's gospel, the people he's encountered have been more concerned with what he can do for them than who he can be with them what they can get from him for themselves. They've seemed more concerned with his title, his power, his prestige than with him and with Jesus, the guy standing in front of them, walking beside them, worshiping next to them. When I 
started this whole God knows where journey, I told a story about a man who came to me with a bunch of questions about scripture. And I told him that the answers were sometimes in the spaces and silences in scripture. They were in between the lines, not necessarily always in the words. I told him they were silent. It didn't have to be this ways after a lot of stories in the Bible. Well, I think after John writes, he knew what was inside everyone. There's a silent, and they knew nothing that was inside him at the end of this one. I think Jesus chose not to let people in, at this point at least, because they kept showing him that they didn't want to come all the way in. They wanted the magic and the miracles, but not the man. So Jesus gave them what they wanted. He gave them wine. He took on the title of Messiah. He fulfilled what the scriptures had promised about him. And he kept everyone at a distance. Is that what we want? Do we want to keep Jesus at arm's length? Do we want Jesus to keep us at arm's length? We hear a lot about a need for forming a close bond with Jesus. It's one of the biggest things we hear as we walk this life of faith. Some even go as far as to call it a personal relationship with Jesus. But a relationship goes two ways, doesn't it? It's a two-way street. And we know how to build trust in our relationships with each other. We know that our friendships and our marriages and our families can fall apart when only one side chooses to trust, chooses to go all in. If we want Jesus to come close to us, close enough to heal us, to feed us, to celebrate with us, and walk beside us like Jesus does throughout the Gospels, all the things Jesus has done up to this point in John, then I think we've got to be willing to get close to him too, to find out what breaks his heart, his spirit, what he hungers for, what brings him great joy. And that doesn't mean just going where he went and doing what he did and loving who he loved. It means getting to know him. And not like with interview, press junket kind of conversations like, hey, Jesus, how'd you get into the business? Is this a family business for you? I mean, this is a bit of an aside, but I remember, honest to God, sitting in a Bible study in college, and in the course of the conversation, a real debate came to a head about whether or not Jesus was ripped, like muscular, toned, and and ready for the cover of men's health. These are not the kinds of questions we need to bring to Jesus. Getting to know Jesus, the real Jesus, to build that sense of trust that is absolutely broken here in what we read in John, that means coming to Jesus with real questions, not about what he can do for us, but about what we don't understand about him, what we need to know to be able to follow him wherever he goes. It means being brutally honest with him, showing him that we want his honest perspective on whatever topic we bring to him, and that we can honestly and earnestly share our fears and our doubts and our desires with him. It means embodying that Avett Brothers song, Me and God, and realizing that we don't need a middleman between us and God to have these conversations and to get to know one another, and that yes, in fact, it is all right sometimes, to use curse words when we pray. Getting to know Jesus means committing to walk with him, to show up not necessarily to church, but to be present and available and disciplined in going where he went, 
not flying in when we need something, a little healing, a little help, whatever we need, and then flying right back out. We can't just come for the show. We've got to go on the tour. And we've got to know that it's not going to be a tour that clears billions like Taylor Swift or Beyonce, but that it will be even more of a religious experience than either of those could ever be. It means having confidence in him. Getting to know Jesus means trusting him, taking him at his word and knowing deep down that what he says is true, that what he says we should do will work, that forgiveness works, that there's more than enough to go around for all of us if we're just willing to share a little bit of what we have, that we're all more than the worst thing we've ever done and none of us are perfect or blameless. It means believing like Reverend Jackie Lewis' mother taught her at her first communion that when we receive the bread, we receive a message that says God will always love you. And when we receive the cup, it means that God will never leave you. Trusting that that's true. That's what getting to know Jesus is all about. And it would be great if we could bring all of this to him in person, if we could walk those roads with him, if we could physically sit around a table or go down the street or pull him aside at a party and ask him these things and bring him these things and enter into this kind of relationship with a person in the room. But we can't. So we have to bring these attitudes and these orientations with us when we come to what we read, when we come to things like this passage that don't make sense or hurt to hear or make us just ask lots of questions. We have to bring these attitudes and orientations when we read what was written about him and when we pray. And in those moments, we don't just have to offer up what we need in that moment, but we have to give Jesus space to tell us what wasn't written down to open up to us about what we've missed about his life, about who he was, and what it means that he's here among us. We have to give him space to tell his own story to us. And that means we've got to listen. But it all starts with our honesty and our commitment and our confidence. I mean, that's how we build trust with each other, and that's how we'll allow Jesus to entrust himself to us. If we can't do that, if we can't bring our honesty and our commitment and our confidence to this relationship, though, there will always be a distance between us. And I doubt that's what any of us God Knows Where is written, produced, and edited by me, Brett Harris, with music by Thomas Steinwinder and Michael Trest, and unwavering support from my wife, Elizabeth. If you like what you hear, I'd encourage you to share God Knows Where with your friends and family, and give us a review in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. It'll mean the world to me, and it'll help more people find God Knows Where. Thanks in advance for your help and for being here and for listening. Until next time, take these words from William Sloan Coffin with you. May God give you the grace never to sell yourself short. 
Grace to risk something big for something good. Grace to remember that the world is too dangerous for anything but truth and too small for anything but love. So may God take your minds and think through them, and your eyes and see through them, and your hearts and set them on fire.